0: Your fantasy season may be over, but keep that Sleeper app on your home screen because they have over-under games for Week 17 and beyond. Promo code is UNDERWORLD. They double your deposit up to $100 on Sleeper. Their promo code is UNDERWORLD. Check out their over-under games. It's a lot of fun. And takeaways yes oh you thought maybe right you thought maybe he's not gonna show up he's not gonna go to work fantasy season's over will the pod father show up at work hung over from new years it's technically a holiday it's a federal holiday where's the Podfather? don't see him he's not online here i am baby taking you away with takeaways we'll be we'll, we'll be doing takeaways throughout the playoffs i love this show I love doing this show. I would do the show for free. Wait, I do do the show for free. Wait a second. What am I talking about? It's a great show. It's a fun show, and I learn a lot. I, I, I do all this research. I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta figure out what happened yesterday. Can't just watch the Red Zone channel. Turns out, Daniel Jones looks good. Daniel Jones is is running for two touchdowns. Huge fantasy day. Anyone that streamed Daniel Jones, great job. <laughs> right? Awesome. I was streaming Minshew, so I went right back to the Minshew well, unsuccessfully. And uh, luckily, I'm also playing Minshew in another league. So, hey, hey. Minshew giveth and taketh away. the The mustache, mustache can can give you some pleasure, but also some pain. That's right. Daniel Jones is a top 32 quarterback in the NFL. He will be a top 32 quarterback after the NFL draft. In 2023, which means he will be on an NFL team as a starter, likely with the Giants. Until last uh, Sunday, it was unclear. It was unclear. We didn't know what was going to happen with the Giants. They're were, they were bound for the playoffs, so weren't gonna have a high draft pick, but what are they gonna do with Daniel Jones? They haven't fully committed to him. They're gonna need to do some kind of bridge contract with him. They're gonna, he's the best they're gonna get. There's a bunch of teams like oh the team that plays in the same stadium like the Jets would love to have Daniel Jones and we'll talk about Mike White we'll talk about gonna talk about Derek Carr for talking about the Jets we're gonna talk about Derek Carr but Daniel Jones has secured a position as a starting quarterback in the NFL that's takeaway number one and Brian Dayball has been a definitive upgrade right coaching matters on the margins and this is the greatest marginal mattering for a coach that we've seen in a long time right this was big like the Brian Dayball coming in I mean think about how Daniel Jones has been successful captaining this team to the playoffs with Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James this was the season where we learned just how much wide receivers matter for quarterback production a lot Right, More than anyone could have possibly imagined. We saw Justin Herbert with and without Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. There were numerous examples of quarterbacks that lost key weapons, and then their production cratered, and then the weapons came back, and then their production resumed. And Daniel Jones is winning games with Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. We're also going to get into Ron Rivera. So if we're looking at the NFC East and – the, the wide chasm of coaching differences between the Giants and, and the Commanders, for example. We'll talk about Ron Rivera. We're going to talk about Michael Pittman. He's been through quarterback hell. Jarek McKinnon, Trey McBride, Cam Akers, Albert O., Chase Edmonds, all showing why we take zero L's on this program. Drake London. Uh, Mike Evans with a big fuck you to fantasy gamers. We'll talk about that. Uh, Hubbard. DJ Moore, so the multiple Panthers that we've uh, planted flags on, and that's paying off. We're going to talk about uh, LeBron James touting Deshaun Watson inexplicably, I guess because it's Cleveland and he's a fan of the Browns. And uh, in that game, Brian Robinson and Amari Cooper, like the two polar ends of the talent spectrum, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Tua and uh, why he wasn't out there and should he have ever been out there and, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he had interesting fun stat on Teddy Bridgewater I have for you. Got a fun stat on Devontae Smith. Fun stat on Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. Fun stat on the Green Bay game. And by fun, for fantasy gamers, I mean horrifying. Hell. K.J. Osborne, though. K.J. Osborne. Right there. <laughs> I started K.J. Osborne. I started Mark Andrews trust the process that's that's the the final takeaways trust the process so that is the preamble so as usual many more than 10 takeaways uh, I, don't, I don't know the exact number but we've got many more it's almost always at least 20 and then maybe do we go over 20 that's that's the question so as we've said Daniel Jones is a starting quarterback in the league and he has the traits that we like right we've had Daniel Jones posted it up as a a a better than average quarterback before the, the fantasy season began throughout this season in seasonal leagues with the season rankings on playerprofiler.com, the weekly rankings, even dynasty rankings. We've been ahead of consensus on Daniel Jones. And Sean Kerner came on the show this summer. Sean Kerner, who is the best player ranker in the history of fantasy pros, said that Daniel Jones was his favorite quarterback. And the quarterback where he's been more out in front ahead of consensus on than any other. And it's just because if you run the numbers, when you include the rushing, he's a better than average bet each and every week. Then he loses all of his weapons, right? He loses Kadarius Tony to trade. He loses Wandale Robinson. He seems to have no one to throw to. And he has some, some unproductive weeks. And so if you didn't start Daniel Jones last week, you shouldn't feel bad. Don't feel bad about it. But it's great when we have the the top-of-the-food-chain guests on the Mind of Mansion program, the Mind of Mansion show, my interview show. And we talk to Sean Kerner, and he lays out the case for Daniel Jones, and then here we see exactly why that is. In a, in a week where other streaming options like Minshew flamed out, there's Daniel Jones with the two rushing touchdowns. And for football fans, most importantly – the Giants are in the playoffs. Playoffs, yeah! Giants with Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins as Daniel Jones' primary weapons in the passing game. Weapons in quotes. Now he has Dan Bellinger. Ooh, Dan, getting Dan Bellinger, a rookie tight end, athletic but a rookie. Him entering the lineup being this big boon for Daniel Jones. Like, imagine that. Like it was a so. Well, he has Bellinger, so he says. Jones has a chance to be productive because he has Bellinger. Like That's the context. Imagine Daniel Jones with great receivers. Imagine Daniel Jones with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Imagine. Would he be better than Tua Tungoveloa for fantasy football with the rushing? Absolutely. Would he just be better than him in general? Probably. Probably. Mike McDaniel has been disguising Tua's deficiencies all year while at the same time jeopardizing his career. It's like, oh, he's doing them this big favor, designing this offense to to mask his weaknesses and and focus on his strengths, while at the same time ushering him out of the league forever because he can't remember the fourth quarter of the Green Bay game. Is that a coincidence? Is that a coincidence the guy that was stumbling around the field a few weeks ago? And was shuttled off into a, a tunnel and, 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 and was allowed to return, even though it was against protocol. And then there are all, all, all these lies and evasions, even a, a, a coerced lie from Tua himself to the media in one of the more elaborate ass covering maneuvers we've seen from a franchise that has recently paid coaches or at least uh, the top equity holder. Attempted to pay the head coach to lose games and tank games. So this is already an unethical franchise, and now they're just making it worse. And yet, when you're watching the Green Bay-Miami game, as I did, no mention of this, right? No me- no criticism at all, of course. No, there was not a single whiff of criticism of Mike McDaniel. It was just glowing praise throughout the broadcast, which is why you cannot listen. You can't listen. They didn't bring up that incident with Tua once, where it's, the players' health and safety were put at risk by the head coach. It was not mentioned. And then we learn a week later, oh, he couldn't remember the fourth quarter. And how many fantasy podcasts are talking about how shameful that incident was weeks ago? Very few. And will continue to be one of the lone torchbearers that actually care about the health and safety and the brain function of of the players that we follow and celebrate players like Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman's fine, right? He's not concussed. <laughs> Just to make sure everybody he's not in the protocol. Everybody, my Michael Pittman's fine. Just an awkward transition by the podfather. It's like, and then it takes me to Michael Pittman. Who's okay. Right. He's fine. Everybody, friends and family of Michael Pittman. He's doing great. <laughs> I mean, he was productive again this past week. He's going to be a great value in 2023. Michael Pittman. Oh, I want Michael Pittman so bad. He's great. He's exquisite. He could do it all, right? He's a great route runner. He's strong at the catch point. He can play outside. He can move inside. you love Michael Pittman. He's been in quarterback hell. Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles, these have been his quarterbacks. It has been hell. It has been a hellscape. And he's made it to the other side, and his statistics have not been delivering value for fantasy gamers. But I'm going right back to that Michael. He's one of my first sort of priorities to be drafting in 2023. Michael Pittman, he's going to be one of my guys. Oh, I can see it already. And one of my guys from six years ago, Jarek McKinnon, made history. Jarek McKinnon made historic. He's a historic talent, one of the most athletic running backs of all time, made history with a receiving touchdown in five consecutive games, being the only running back in NFL history to ever catch five touchdown passes consecutively. That's Jarek McKinnon. That's, That's When you put a player with that level of athleticism, elite athleticism, paired with Patrick Mahomes, set him up next to Patrick Mahomes in shotgun. That's what's possible. This is why we take zero L's. Thank you to everyone on Twitter, at Fantasy underscore Mansion, sending me these zero L's tweets. I appreciate every single one of those. It feels great. And I had a feeling. I was like, wow, okay. We had had, had three touchdowns from Cam Akers, right, the week before. I I was uh, mocked relentlessly for drafting any Cam Akers this year, right? Oh, yeah. Whoa, big mistake, right? Thinking that he could come back from an Achilles rupture like Dante Foreman. Like that was, that was crazy. And then I was crazy for asking the question, well, why isn't he getting any playing time? Why has he been banished behind the Darrell Hendersons and then, and then the the Kyron Williamses? It can't be that he forgot how to play football. It can't be because these players are better Football players, they're better at playing the running back position than Cam Akers. There must be something more going on here, right? There's something more going on. When one plus one does not equal two, there's something more going on beyond just, oh, this is Achilles, it's the Achilles, it's all the Achilles. No, it's got to be something more than that. Imagine asking that question. What more is going on under the surface than just this Achilles recovery and rehabilitation? Rehabilitation. And as it turns out, a year and a half is about the timeline. A year and a half is when you can start to get that explosiveness back. You can get back in less than a year to the field and play. But building up this, the explosiveness in, in 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 that calf area, lower body, takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication. I don't know what the hell he said to Sean McVay that forced Sean McVay to, to take him off the field for the majority of, of offensive snaps for the majority of the season. But now somehow they've they've hugged it out. Cam Akers and Sean McVay hugged it out. But this is why we don't just send these guys to the bottom of the dynasty rankings. Just because they get supplanted by one, two, three, four running backs, right? At some point in the season, all these different running backs, a variety of running backs were playing ahead of Cam Akers. That doesn't necessarily mean his career is over. And then we see Albert Akuigbunum. Oh, oh, Albert Akuigbunum was the receiving leader for the Broncos. Where did that come from? Oh, coaching change. Oh, as it turns out, Sean McVay had an axe to grind with Cam Akers. And uh, the Broncos did not like Albert Akuigbunum until they did, right? So Nathaniel Hackett, gone. And with him the spite that he felt towards Albert Akugbunem. At one point in time, Albert Akugbunem either said something to Nathaniel Hackett to insult him, something that was disrespectful, or he just missed a a key block at some point. And you miss a key block, and it's it's a highly visible practice scenario, a practice situation. It's imbued into the mind of the coach, assistant coaches, players, and it has this disproportionate effect on a player's career. There's time and time again, we've, we've talked about players that have made mistakes in practice, made mistakes in games, and their usage was never the same. It never recovered. But Albert Akugbunum's young. He deserves to be out there. He's one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. 99th percentile speed score. He checks the boxes of one of those breakout tight ends. Late round tight end target And we had to pivot and start streaming tight ends or look for other options. After the second week of the season, it was obvious. His snaps were in decline. He wasn't producing. You had to move on. But did we pull him out of the dynasty rankings? Did we send him to the bottom? Of course not. No. Albert O never fell out of the top 30 dynasty tight ends on playerprofiler.com. I mean... I've been proud of many of our dynasty rankings, but the tight end rankings in particular, and I can think of two players that performed very well this week that I've been very proud of us having conviction. It was Alberto putting up 13 fantasy points as the receiving leader for the Broncos, and then the receiving leader for the Cardinals was Trey McBride. Trey McBride is why our dynasty rankings are the best. Like, How do you keep him posted up so high? How? How, how do you... What has Trey McBride done? And it's like, what do you mean? What, Trey McBride's a rookie tight end. What do you mean, what has he done? Why don't you give him an opportunity to play a couple games, get acclimated to the league, maybe get his starting quarterback back at some point, and then you can judge him whether or not he belongs in the top 15 dynasty tight ends. And we've said all along that, yes, it's Dulcich and McBride, McBride and Dulcich. They're the top two tight ends from this class, and, and, and I don't care. Like, at no point did a Kwankwu or Bellinger or likely ever come close to Trey McBride in our dynasty rankings. Never even approached their tier. It was Dulcich and it was McBride. It's been them from the beginning, 1-2, and that hasn't changed all year. That's understanding that there's a long game to be played out. And when you zoom out on a player's prospect profile, that is hugely Predictive of their future performance more than their first couple weeks in the league and their ability to, to secure a couple touchdown passes here and there. That's a small sample trap. You go ahead and push a Kwonkwoo or Jelani Woods ahead of a Trey McBride in Dynasty. That is a small sample trap. You are trapped and you're focusing on the wrong details. McBride had 10 targets, so he was the target leader and. and, and Secured seven passes for 78 yards and a touchdown. Had a huge game. Late, right, for anyone. <laughs> <for, laughs> would have been nice, right, if we were streaming tight ends a few weeks ago. would have been nice if he showed something. But, hey, we'll take it. Even Chase Edmonds. I am saying the name. I'm saying the name. Our, our biggest mistake from the summer, Chase Edmonds. 7.3 yards per touch. Three for three in the receiving game. Weird, right? Weird. The new coach comes onto the scene and he evaluates the players on their merits, and he says, "Geez, I, I think this Chase Edmonds is pretty good. He can do a lot of different things well. He had a bunch of drops in Miami, and that's essentially torpedoed his entire season. That affected his perception even here in Denver. But uh, we're going to give him another chance to get out there in the passing game and secure some passes. And the next thing you know, oh, 100% catch rate, no drops. It's a big deal. That's a big deal, and." We are going to continue to evaluate Chase Edmonds based on his ability in a vacuum, not the opinion of a now fired coach. Like, that's not going to be the tail that wags the dog. No. So, we're likely going to be out ahead of consensus on Alberto, Edmonds, Akers, all these guys, McBride in seasonal leagues in 2023. Look for that. But also, you'll see them posted up in Dynasty, like, you're scratching your head going, geez, I. Why why aren't they why aren't they adjusting these rankings? And we do adjust the rankings. We absolutely adjust the rankings. Over time we adjust the rankings incrementally. In a few cases, in a handful of cases, we do absolutely crash land some of these players, right? They do crater once in a while. It happens, right? I mean even Cam Akers where he is now even after a 3 touchdown game isn't close to where he was. He was a lot higher. He's never going to be as high as he was. You can't have a season like he's had this year and be, you know, top ten dynasty running back. Like those days are over. It's not happening. But he's a hell of a lot higher than than most services have him at this point. And it's just hugely validating to see these guys. They persevere in the face of a, a team that's going nowhere. And yet Cam Akers says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna keep going to the gym. I'm gonna keep working on strengthening my legs." If you watched him, you're like, oh, this this looked pretty good. Like, I, I saw a little bit of fluidity there. Wow, that's cool, right? I'm seeing some burst. What's this? A lot of that was there all along, but they've had one of the worst run-blocking offensive lines in the sport. So you're not able to see it if the guy's getting taken down in the backfield. That's the first problem. And the second problem is he was stiff, right? He was lacking in explosiveness. Both things were true. I enjoy watching good players perform at a high level. Is that crazy? Is that nuts? That's, that's nuts. But, and there were, some, there were some real riddles. I mean, Week 17 was a week of riddles. Justin Fields rushes for 132 yards in a 41-10 loss, in a loss to Detroit. And you're telling me that Detroit puts up 41 points and in the inverted field stacks on 132 rushing yards, didn't pay off? How is that possible? How is that possible? Almost if I said, Hey, it was a 41 10 game, Fields had over 100 rushing yards, the inverted stacks would have been incredible. Like Fields with St. Brown and Shark, everyone would that would have been the chalk. If, if you were told that bit of information, here's the the final score and the Fields rushing total, everyone would have been on. The inverted field stacks. And they would have all gone down in flames regardless. That double stack would have netted 35 fantasy points total. And that's if you didn't play it. We did play it. <laughs> we, we did play those inverted stacks. I am I, looking at the 35 fantasy points. Drake London was not productive. Yet Drake London had a 30% target share. And the quarterback situation is only going to get better. It's only going to get better. DJ Moore, right? DJ Moore. Like, how the hell? Right, you guys have had him posted up with 150-plus lifetime value points. His lifetime value rating has barely moved this year, even though he's put up 11-plus fantasy points per game. How? Why? Because nothing's changed with DJ Moore. He's been a quarterback away every year, and then every year he has an opportunity to have a quarterback walk through the door. It could happen in any given year, any given season. Quarterback walks through the door. And then DJ Moore is not a top 10 a top five fantasy football wide receiver. So that's why, that's why you're not going to see DJ Moore fall out of our top fifteen dynasty receivers. Like, wow, why didn't why didn't you adjust? Why didn't you correct your your DJ Moore ranking? Why would you do that? He's really good. Okay, he's been unproductive. He has a, a string of weeks where he doesn't do anything. Okay, and like I've seen too many things, man. We've seen too many things to create some system at Player Profiler that wildly changes dynasty rankings up and down and up and down. Like there are situations where a player's lifetime value is going to drop considerably. One of those players was actually DeAndre Hopkins because a lot of his value, the baked in value of DeAndre Hopkins dynasty value was the fantasy playoffs this season. That's the best and the most valuable weeks you were going to get from DeAndre Hopkins' career was the fantasy football playoffs this season. And if he's not going to have Kyler Murray and he's not going to play in the fantasy football Super Bowl, then he is going to fall dramatically. He's going to go from someone valuable, that could help your team win a dynasty championship, to suddenly, oh, he's going to be 31 and he, he didn't play at the beginning or the end of the final season, the last season. That's not good. Right there, you saw a correction, a significant correction in recent weeks on DeAndre Hopkins' dynasty value. That makes sense, like that's defensible. Some wild correction of DJ Moore's dynasty value would make no sense whatsoever. If you've believed in him this long, then you should keep believing. Because again, every day, every week, every month, every year is an opportunity for Carolina to solve the quarterback position, and then DJ Moore becomes a league winner becomes a critical piece of a dynasty team and he's been a, a buy-low target all along Right, if, if you're following our dynasty rankings and our lifetime value system and looking at our trade analyzer and we also in the dynasty deluxe module also have a trade finder that looks up trades happening on my fantasy league and you see what what other dynasty leaguers what they're giving up for DJ Moore it's a great buy-low option he's been great on prediction strike this year too this is one of the, the our featured buys on Prediction Strike. Aaron Stewart hosts a show on our Discord channel, a Prediction Strike specific show, where he talks about his favorite values on Prediction Strike, that platform that treats players like stocks. We can invest in DJ Moore like a stock and use promo code underworld. And when you deposit just 20 bucks, you get a free player share. It's a randomized player share. You don't know who it's going to be. Could be DJ Moore, could be Jamar Chase. Could be Dan Bellinger. Could be Richie James. <laughs> so get the Prediction Strike app. The promo code is underworld to get a free player share. And DJ Moore is in the center of the Venn diagram of the type of players that we would advocate acquiring on that platform throughout this year. On the other end of that spectrum would be someone like Brian Robinson. Right? Brian Robinson, no thank you. Right? And, and, if, and if if you've been holding on to, like, a Mike Evans, sell. Like, ah! Right? Mike Evans. I mean, wow. Right? Mike Evans, wow, has one of the more inefficient and embarrassing seasons. Truly embar- Just embarrassing to watch. Right? And is just a, an absolute gut punch player, especially for best ball, where his ADP was second round. It was third round, then it, became, it moved up to second round. We were drafting at the dominator show, saw a lot of Mike Evans in the second round and high stakes. It didn't feel right. We never pushed the button there, like, no, he's not good anymore. He's been inefficient. A straight up volume play in the second round? No way. What? And he torpedoed every best ball team he was on, right? I mean, maybe somehow, some way, there was a team that made it all the way to the final with Mike Evans, and then he delivered the championship. Maybe maybe in a theoretical world maybe but when I saw that stat line when I saw that performance I was like oh that's double middle fingers and that's the name of the show right it's Mike Evans double middle fingers just a big fuck you to every best ball player who believed in him it was like I'm gonna, I'm gonna use significant draft capital on this guy and he's gonna be awful every week until the very last week of the fantasy season and then he's gonna be amazing He's gonna blow minds. And yet all these teams where he's putting up big points for, eliminated, not in contention. I mean, I, I can't think of a of a a greater, more forceful fuck you than 48 fantasy points from Mike Evans. That's it, like this, this is such a riddle of a week. It's like in fiction, like come up with a scenario that's a bigger FU you to a best ball player than what Mike Evans did. In week 17. I would challenge anyone. And when you analyze that game. By the way. By the way. Rashad White. Is better in the passing game. He's more efficient as a receiver. Than Leonard Fournette. This is something that's going to come back. And be a a theme of 2023. For us. And it's something I want you all to be on the lookout for. Next year. Is this idea that you know. Oh Leonard Fournette. He's great in the passing game too. Don't forget about Leonard Fournette. I loved Leonard Fournette for many years, undervalued, underrated. But now it's Rashad White's time. Rashad White is the type of player that we tout. It's not 28-year-old running back Leonard Fournette. No, right? But the key is, in the passing game, Rashad White, more fluid, more explosive, just better. Just be- And that, in, when you're running the projections, who's going to command more targets out of the backfield next year for Tampa? Rashad White is the answer. It's very exciting. I I permission to get excited about Rashad White next year, but in particular, Rashad White's activity in the passing game, where it's gonna be very much a Tony Pollard Ezekiel Elliott role distribution in Tampa. And by the way, it wasn't even Mike Evans. I mean, yeah, Mike Evans did save Tampa's playoff hopes. He did. Like you have to give Mike Evans credit. Right, he, he stepped up when they needed him the most they, He stepped up But I also will say That a punter saved their season Check this out Oh my god Bobbles the ball He's got to race for it Kamarna tries to get it off Kicks it And it's an unbelievable job Inside the 10 That is incredible The ball's on the ground He runs to the sideline And then just before he goes out of bounds And gets hit Gets the kickoff down to the one and a half yard line. I mean, how? How did he do that? I don't I Bravo. Right? I don't even know his name. I don't care. We're not even if even if I knew his name, I wouldn't even tell you what his name is because he's a kicker. But kicker X for the box was great. I mean, bravo. Bravo. Before we we talk about another game, I should mention that Chuba Hubbard tripled, tripled. Dante Foreman's fantasy output, and we still have Hubbard posted up as RB42 in Dynasty. He's young, and he has the size and the receiving skills and the explosiveness to be a primary back in this league, be very productive when given an opportunity. That's why he's ranked where he's ranked. That's why we've had Hubbard posted up ahead of a lot of other running backs that are either dustier or that we just don't see have the same potential of Chuba Hubbard. Just because Dante Foreman won the job doesn't mean that he's definitively better than Chuba Hubbard. He's not. He's not. Just like Rashad White is definitely better than Leonard Fournette at this point in their respective careers because of how much better White is in the passing game at this point than Fournette. Chuba Hubbard is that much better, even more better Right? The disparity in the passing game between Hubbard and Foreman is vastly greater than the difference between White and Fournette. That's how much better Hubbard is as a receiver. He's very valuable and is someone that I want on my dynasty team this offseason. Not Brian Robinson, right? So, examples of players that we don't like. Generally speaking, we don't like receivers like Greg Dorch. Okay. Greg Dortch is the father of the Greg Dorch corollary, which means you can be as dominant as you want in college, but if you're small and slow, it's not gonna happen. Right. right. And we we had this great conversation about Dortch on the StackFest show on Roto Grinders. We we're talking about all the 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 Stoneman options, the the sub four K options on DraftKings. And Greg Dorch came up and I was like, no, no, please, God, no, not. No, we can't do it. And then you're we like, well, here's the case for Dorch. She's going to get targets. And I was like, ah! Just say no to Greg Dorch. The thing is, he got the 10 targets. He got the 10 targets. But this is why I do not like to play the Greg Dorches, because what did he do with 10 targets? What did he do? Four for 15. OK, four for 15. When you're small and slow in the NFL, this is what happens. To so just say no to these players this is why we have player profilers. You can look at a player like Greg Dortch and go, you know what? There are more explosive options like Richie James on the slate. Thank you very much. I'm not going to go there. I don't need to go there. There's no point in going there. I think we talked about Richie James. We talked about Rashid Shaheed. That was another better option. Rashid Shaheed actually has speed. And he's getting the targets too. You want a guy that's in the same sort of... Target commanding situation. What about Rashid? Ch- well, Sh- Rashid Shaheed, he had a hundred percent catch rate. Rashid Shahid actually delivered. Anytime you can catch six of six from Andy Dalton against the Eagles, you're a prof- you're a quality professional wide receiver in the NFL. Like that is impressive. Think about that for a second. He went six for six from Andy Dalton against the Eagles, right? So that's the difference, right? We're gonna be. In on a guy like Rashid Shaheed, we're going to be in on a guy like Richie James. I mean, we were in on Richie James as a rookie. We were we were mocked for liking Richie James as a rookie. Richie James only put up like sixteen hundred yards at Middle Tennessee State, right? Twelve touchdowns and was active on special teams. My God, like, oh, this Richie James is interesting. Richie James has some athleticism. Richie James has some college production on his favor. Like he has sub four or five speed, above average agility, above average burst. Richie James deserves an opportunity. He gets an opportunity, what does he do? He produces 0 Ls. This is why 0 Ls. This weekend LeBron took an L. He was touting his team, right? He loves the Browns, he's from Cleveland, I get it, but he was he was talking about how, you know, Deshaun Watson still got it. He's finally getting into a rhythm. Deshaun Watson had a 50% completion percentage in 169 yards just happen to get touchdowns happen to get passing touchdowns to Amari Cooper. It was nice though. It was Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones. So when those two, the top two receivers can hog all the touchdowns, that's a good day. Right? That's a good day. You 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 take it, you put it in your pocket and you move on, right? The problem is, you can't just put it in your pocket and move on if you're LeBron James. You got to go to social media. You want to say something. The issue is he's been speaking out against bad behavior by athletes. Is a bunch of other tweets speaking out against the bad behavior of athletes. So you can't, you can't have it both ways, buddy. Right? You're gonna tout Deshaun Watson and then talk about how much, you know, behavior matters and how people treat other people matters. Whoops. Right? It's just funny. It's just stuff's funny. I mean, I'm not the guy on social media that's gonna be policing the hypocrisy. I'm not the hypocrisy police. I don't have I mean, I have I have a siren, right? <laughs> I just don't use it for hypocrisy. Use it for bad takes, victory laps, but no no hypocrisy policing. No, 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 no. I'll take another victory lap on Trevor Lawrence. I'm really getting Trevor Lawrence right. Really acing Trevor Lawrence. It's like, hey, please soft pedal Trevor Lawrence this week. Don't overthink it. Just play Travis Etienne. Take the obvious great play against the Houston Texans and realize that the Texans pass defense. Better than advertised. And Trevor Lawrence was one of the worst quarterbacks in all of fantasy. But he was a he was he was a popular DFS play. As he is a lot of weeks. There's been a lot of weeks where Trevor Lawrence was very popular. It just didn't make sense. Like nothing, none of it I didn't even think he would play the whole game. Like they're probably gonna get up big and they're gonna pull him. That that was the danger with Travis Etienne. Well, at least Etienne can get there before they pulled him. And they did and he did. Much harder for a guy like Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback really needs to play the full game. To get there for DFS. He was not a strong DFS play. Never was heading into week 17. But we did we did agree on the, the stack fest show. That he would be our bottom priority quarterback play. And I regret even allowing that conversation to happen. And then ETN had his customary three targets. He has this hard ceiling on three targets. I got to think if he played the whole game he would have had. He finally would have broken through. Hasty. I mean, Hasty is just taunting him, right? He's like, "I caught all three of my targets, guys! I did it! Yeah!" Hasty's like, "Well, I caught six of six, so I doubled. See, I had, see, I had twice as many targets as you, Travis, and I caught them all. And this is this is not the first time this season. I've completely dominated you in the receiving game. You can't come close to what I'm doing in the receiving game. It's it's funny." I don't think this is an indication that Jermichael Hasty is some extraordinary talent. I think it's an indication of a weakness in Travis Etienne's game. But Travis Etienne just needs one 8 target game. He just needs one 8 target game and then this is all forgotten. I'll forget it. I'm happy to forget it. I just need to see the I need to see it. I Can I see it please? Please let me see it. That's all. I just want to see it. Show it to me and then I'll move on. I'm happy to shuffle away. Show it to me. That's it. That's all. And, and by the way, Amari Cooper, two touchdowns, right? Super efficient. 100 yards and like four targets. Arguably his best game of the year. On the road. <gasps> On the road. What? How is that possible? I heard he's awful away, but he's really good at home. See, the home grass, the way it sticks to his cleats, it's really comfortable for him. But the grass in these away stadiums, It's very uncomfortable. He can't really run. It's like he's running in quicksand. It's almost like it wasn't really about being home or away. It was really like who was he matched up against at that time and a bunch of randomness. Like it was the matchup. It was the cornerback matchup. It was the secondary matchup. And with a a healthy injection of just random chance that gave the impression that, oh, we've got a trend here. We've got a outcome driving factor here in the uh, home versus away splits and this is predictive right we've got to, this is meaning this is significant no it's not no it's not and at no point did do you ever hear me come on saying you know what uh oh oh amari cooper's on the road uh mm, can't play him <laughs> what no he was a great play this week we talked about it on the stack fest it's a great play play him that was a great that was a great game to skinny stack if anyone, and I mean anyone, on the Washington side would have come through other than Logan Thomas, however, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about Logan Thomas because we spent more time on the Fest show talking about Robert Tunyon than anyone else, and Robert Tunyon was the skill position leader in fantasy points for the Packers. Another riddle. How about this riddle for you? Green Bay wins 41-17. to And yet, no Packers skill position player can outscore Robert Tunyon's 14 fantasy points. And Aaron Rodgers himself had 18. 18 fantasy points. So he has uh, still yet to score 21 or more fantasy points in any game this season. And yet 5% plus, like it was 5% headed to 10% of DFS grinders were playing Aaron Rodgers. That was his ownership projection per Roto grinders. And it didn't make any sense. It, if you had just stayed away from Lawrence and Rogers, you'd have been set up in DFS. It would have been half the battle. No one played Jared Stidham though. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you look at, at Jared Stidham like, okay, this is at first Derek Carr getting benched was perplexing to me because I was like, wait, wait, I'm looking at the depth chart. This is a tank move. You're not trying to win games. This is this is actually pretty clever. It's a clever move. I didn't see this coming because it seems almost too clever. What a great way to tank. You blame the whole thing on Derek Carr. You bench him as like a lesson. that You're, you're teaching him the, the strong dictator coach with the lessons of the benching lessons, right? Meanwhile, you're going to play Stidham and guarantee the loss. I was like, oh, that's pretty clever, right? Wow, cool, great, great work. And then, then Stidham looks awesome, and Stidham's great. They still lose, so they got the job done, right? You did the right thing. You lost, but it, was, it wasn't was because of Stidham. Look at this throw by Stidham. Check this out. Look how good Stidham is. Just a four-man rush. Stidham steps away from Bosa. Looking, looking, buying time. Throws oh! it late. He's got Adams open. Devontae Adams chugging into the end zone for the touchdown. rolling to the wrong side, rolling to his left, throwing across his body, falling out of bounds, getting hit. That was right up there with the punters play for the Buccaneers. But Raiders still lost. How, how, how do you roll with Hoyer? If you have that guy on your team, if you have Stidham as a backup quarterback, how do you roll with Hoyer? It doesn't make sense. That's just weird. Backup quarterback is incredibly important. We're seeing it in Miami, aren't we? We're seeing it in, Cleveland, we saw how good Jacoby Brissett is. Backup quarterback is the unheralded position. It really matters. If I'm an NFL team, I'm trying to get Davis Mills. Davis Mills is going to be one of the best backup quarterbacks for the next ten years. He was the leading rusher for Houston this week. But well, you've seen Taylor Heineke has been a top five backup quarterback in the league. I think it's Brissett, it's Heineke, this Dalton count? There's a handful, right, of quality backups. Look at Brock Purdy now. He's got to be top five. I know we're going to have like 10 guys in the top five. Should just start it with the top 10. <laughs> okay. Stidham is top 10 now. If after this performance, you got to say Stidham's top 10. Davis Mills still going to be. I think Davis Mills is going to be top five because Davis Mills had a quality rookie year. He is a tactical scrambler. He's been. relatively productive in certain games in spite of having very few uh, NFL caliber wide receivers to throw to other than Brandon Cooks some Nico Collins but overall I've been impressed with what I've seen from Davis Mills especially considering that he wasn't he was a low draft pick you know not a not a first or second round pick that really diminishes the probability that he ever becomes a a full-time starter for any length of time in the league there's just very few Dak Prescott's in-the-league period, they're almost all first- and second-round picks, the enduring starters, the starters that become franchise quarterbacks. I want a Davis Mills on my team. I, I, I Now pff, I'd be happy to get a Jared Stidham. Amazing, right? Taylor Heineke. He sh- there should be demand for Taylor Heineke. There should be demand for uh, Davis Mills when he becomes a free agent. I mean, look look at Carson Wentz. I mean, what did Carson Wentz do? Carson Wentz was 16 for 28 for 143 and three interceptions. Notice I didn't say Carson Wentz, right? Because what you don't want in a backup quarterback is one of these retreads. Like, that's not it. You don't want a guy who considers himself a starter in the league and is going to be going through his entire career under this illusion or delusion, right? So Carson Wentz has that delusion. I think after this season... The Texans go out and they draft a top five quarterback in the draft. They draft a premium talent, probably, unless they unless they pull like a, a Zach Wilson. Davis Mills is gonna have to have a a you know, a, a come to Jesus moment and a reckoning and decide, okay, I'm gonna be a backup quarterback. That's really what I always was destined to be as a third round pick. I'm gonna embrace this. I'm gonna go out and make millions and millions of dollars as a backup quarterback. I'm gonna be one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. It's just that Ron Rivera would think that Carson Wentz was was the way to go. It's he's he's he he is delusional. In fact, he didn't even know they could be eliminated. Check this out. To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at four o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, oh, then sorry. you guys are eliminated. No one has ever looked more confused than Ron Rivera trying to process their elimination. Wait, we could be eliminated this week? Yes, Ron? You haven't go You weren't interested in knowing <laughs> where you stood heading into this weekend? At no point last week did you look this up? Did you You could even if you couldn't go to the internet, and read the playoff scenarios and the probabilities. You could have asked someone. He didn't even ask someone, not even ask an assistant to go do the research for him. Like he's that ambivalent. Get out of here. If you're that ambivalent, it's not even about like competence at that point. It's just the sheer ambivalence is not something that any franchise should allow. It's embarrassing. Oh. Oh. Poor commanders. Oh my God. Fun stat on uh Backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, top ten backup. I think you would say it closer to ten than, than one for sure. But Teddy Bridgewater is the ultimate checkdown quarterback. Here is how you know Teddy Bridgewater is a checkdown quarterback. Here is an amazing stat: seventeen running back targets. Okay, Teddy Bridgewater delivered seventeen running back targets last week. Like that's a riddle. How did you? How is that even possible? He doesn't even have. A proper satellite back on the roster. Chase Edmonds is gone. Those targets all went to Jeff Wilson and fullbacks and Mostert. None of those players have ever been you know, big target commanders in the passing game. And yeah, there's Teddy just boom, boom, pew pew pew, 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 just checking it down as quick as possible. Look at Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers, in that game, Patriots win, my daughter very happy. 16 fantasy points. Everyone's looking at Tyquan Thornton. Ooh, Tyquan Thornton. Yeah. Taekwon Thornton is a great talent pairing next to Jacoby Myers. I think they complement each other very well. Then you add a, a 2023 rookie wide receiver to this, this group. They sign someone in free agency. Kendrick Bourne, gone. Devontae Parker, gone. Nelson Aguilar, gone. So they're going to clean out this wide receiver room. It's going to be down to just Thornton and Myers. And then they can hopefully, ideally, what this team needs, an influx of young talent at wide receiver with Thornton and Myers. You have the the field stretcher and the possession receiver and now just bring in like an outside clasher that's not Devontae Parker, a couple versatile pieces. This could be an interesting receiving core. Another fun stat, Devontae Smith now has 88 receptions. And because Philadelphia has never had a Marvin Harrison type, uh, you know, Target hog receiver in their history. You can go back to Fred Barnett, you can go back to Terrell Owens. None of them commanding huge, huge targets. And if you're Terrell Owens, you're missing games because you're getting suspended and or you're you're feuding with Donovan McNabb and whatever it is. For whatever reason, they have not had a big time target hog wide receiver. Devontae Smith is now tied for the most receptions by a wide receiver in a single season in Eagles history. How about that? Good for him, man. And in a game where Devontae Smith ties the record, Miles Sanders commands zero targets. I mean, Miles Sanders, we talk about a fuck you game. Miles Sanders had a fuck you playoff series. So in the fantasy football playoffs, weeks 15, 16, and 17, Miles Sanders has scored a total of 14 fantasy points. He had two fantasy points, then six and six. Oh, yeah, 60 yards rushing. Okay, but when you have zero targets, this is what happens. You get outscored by Chuba Hubbard that week. That's what happens. This is the problem with Miles Sanders. I need to see more activity in the passing game. This is why another player that we're not overcorrecting on is Kenny Gainwell. We refuse to just push Kenny Gainwell to the bottom of the rankings because he hasn't been productive. So what? So what? When he's in the game, he's electric in space. He's actually commanding targets out of the backfield. And he's had huge seasons as a rusher in his college career. So we are absolutely not giving up on Kenny Gainwell. Miles Sanders is going to be a free agent this offseason. Kenny Gainwell arguably offers more to this offense than Miles Sanders. And I say arguably because Miles Sanders is definitely better as a runner. But give me what... Kenny Gainwell brings to the passing game. That's what I think is more valuable. That's why I am putting Kenny Gainwell down as a target in the offseason for Dynasty. And he's just a, another example of a player who, yeah, multiple seasons go by, and he hasn't really been a strong performer in fantasy football. And yet, why the hell does player profiler continue to post him up in the Dynasty rankings? Way ahead of his production. That doesn't make sense. His production profile is out of alignment with his it's incongruent with his dynasty ranking shame on player profiler and we get that feedback over and over again and then I have to wait like a month or even a year and go well now what do you think any changes and you know like Elijah Moore we're not gonna just send Elijah Moore to the back of the line that's not gonna happen I want Elijah Moore we have Elijah Moore as more valuable than a lot of other wide receivers in Dynasty. Here are some wide receivers that I would trade to get Elijah Moore. Tyler Lockett, DJ Chark, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rondale Moore, Sky Moore, Cortland Sutton, Zay Jones. Wait a second, Zay Jones? How what? Zay Jones has been awesome. Darnell Mooney, right? Darnell Mooney, I think it's close. I think it's close. After the season's over, I'd rather have Elijah Moore than Keenan Allen. I'd rather have Elijah Moore than DeAndre Hopkins. Gabriel Davis and Elijah Moore have similar lifetime value ratings. And Gabriel Davis has been much more productive than Elijah Moore. But when you zoom out and look at their college profiles and then what they did as rookies, Elijah Moore, much more impressive. Elijah Moore has been unfairly treated and has been banished in New York for reasons that go beyond football. And then when he does get an opportunity, what is he? he's efficient, right? Catches both of his targets for 18 yards. That's the same number of yards that Garrett Wilson had. They both had 18 yards. Moore did it on two targets. Garrett Wilson did it on 11 targets. So who's better? Garrett Wilson. <laughs> Garrett Wilson by a lot. Because this was one of the throws by Mike White that led to the incompletion for... Our friend Garrett Wilson. Just, just this, this is why Derek Carr is destined for New York. White throws and interception at the ten-yard oh! line. Quadri, <laughs> right? I mean, what? Mike White still a top ten backup quarterback. <laughs> Again, we have, we have, we have eight quarterbacks in our top 5, we have 18 in our top 10, clearly, clearly. I still can't, I still can't figure it out though. Like why? 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 Why if you're the Patriots, did you not keep Stidham? Why would Hoyer has no value when he's out there, he's not helping you and he's 40 years old. It makes no sense. If the backup is bad and old, he shouldn't be on the roster. There's so many teams that are not in immediate Super Bowl contention that are rolling out players from Amir Abdullah to Brian Hoyer to Chris Moore and Philip Dorsett and Rex Burkhead that make no fucking sense. It makes no sense. Why? Why? Why not invest in a young player who can grow and develop and start to exceed expectations. Hoyer, Burkhead, Dorsett, that's not in their range of outcomes. Exceeding expectations at the time when you're going to need them to exceed expectations, when you're a playoff contender, because Chris Moore can exceed expectations now, help you win a game you don't want to win. That's not helping you. That's hurting you. It's asinine. KJ Osborne helped me this week. That's why we have five starting wide receivers in the player profile or patron leagues patreon.com forward slash podfather that's how you support the show that's how we make it free it's not behind a paywall because of patreon Patreon patreon.com forward slash podfather and you can also join a patron dynasty league and i had kj osborne starting in a league i may or may not win that particular league it's it's going to come down to the wire i have a bunch of leagues we're in the championship game it's going to come down to the wire so i'm excited, but. If we didn't have all those active roster spots, I wouldn't be able to enjoy all this K.J. Osborne production. A lot of places I had him projected for like seven fantasy points. I was like, his upside is like 20-plus fantasy points. He could help me win a matchup. Of course I'm starting K.J. Osborne. It helps that we have five starting receivers, three starting running backs, and a flex. So K.J. Osborne's always going to make it into your lineup, as he should. And I saw Kenny Pickett win a big game. That was a big game. Anytime you could beat a division rival, anytime you're the Steelers and you beat the Ravens, that's a big game. Pickett won a big, ugly game. And I'm going to project him to take a step forward. Unlike a Davis Mills, I do not think that Kenny Pickett is a career backup. I think he's a career starter. I think he's much closer to, to like Daniel Jones plus. Right? He's better than Daniel Jones was at this point in their respective careers. So I think he's Daniel Jones plus in a good way. If we start the show talking about how good Daniel Jones is... That's why I'm excited for Kenny Pickett next year. I'm excited for Mark Andrews next year. Mark Andrews, another riddle stat for you, 77% yardage share. 77% of the yardage went to Mark Andrews. That's how you know they lost. (laughs) When the tight end gets 77%, when one tight end gets 77% of the receiving yards, that's a loss. That's a loss. Andrews hasn't been good this year, and it hasn't mattered. We've kept him... In the top two Dynasty tight ends, it's been Andrews and Kyle Pitts all year. It's still Andrews and Pitts right now. And if you really want to blow your hair back, go to our Dynasty rankings. Either go to our player rankings and check out the Dynasty rankings, or you can go to Dynasty Deluxe. The the, the Dynasty rankings are there as well. And go look at Rashad Bateman's ranking. So Rashad Bateman is the poster child of what I've been talking about, of us trusting our process, having conviction in players, That where we zoom out and we say, okay, this is a box stuffing player. He's been unlucky for whatever reason, feuding with coaches, injuries, whatever it is. But in a vacuum, he is a a DJ Moore level talent, let's say. And that's Rashad Bateman. So that is the Rashad Bateman is the the reason why you have our dynasty rankings. I don't want it all come down to him. I mean, I hope he's good. (laughs) Right? That he like it could happen again. Like he gets another injury next year. Please God no. But when I when I look at our rankings and I see an Elijah Moore, I see a Rashad Bateman, I think, okay, this is why we're the best. Trust the process. Jarek McKinnon made history. Oh, ho, 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 right! And then you are like, well, here's the case for Dorch. She's gonna get targets. I was like, ah! Just say no to Greg Dorch. Kicker X for the box was great. I mean, bravo, bravo. Oh, let's go live, baby! Woo Yeah, Albert O. Never fell out of the top 30 dynasty tight ends on playerprofiler.com. Not Brian Robinson. How is that possible? On the road. <gasps> on the road. Wow. And then he's going to be amazing.